This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for November 28th, and we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 5 today. A number of years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that he and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank toasts from them to honor their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. At that very moment, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fear. Such terror gripped him that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will wear a gold chain around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men came in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned ashen white. His nobles too were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she, heard, she hurried toward the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and afraid about this. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom as though he himself were a god. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has a sharp mind and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, Are you Daniel, who was exiled from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you, and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read this writing on the wall, but they cannot. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor and you will wear a gold chain around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that the people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. 
He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were hardened with pride, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of an animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, if you, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write a message. This is the message that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have failed the test. Parson means divided, and your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So we have the succession now from the head of gold down to the shoulders and uh, uh, upper chest of silver of the Medes and the Persians. Second Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach their destructive heresies about God and even turn against their master who bought them. Theirs will be a swift and terrible end. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of them, Christ and his true way will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction is on the way. For God did not spare even the angels when they sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy caves and darkness until the judgment day. And God did not spare the ancient world, except for Noah and his family of seven. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. Then God destroyed the whole world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes and swept them off the face of the earth. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But at the same time, God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a good man who was sick of all the immorality and wickedness around him. Yes, he was a righteous man who was distressed by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while punishing the wicked right up until the day of judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own evil, lustful desires and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at the glorious ones without so much as trembling. 
But the angels, even though they are far greater in power and strength than these false teachers, never speak out disrespectfully against the glorious ones. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, who are, who are born to be caught and killed. They laugh at the terrifying powers they know so little about, and they will be destroyed along with them. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They revel in deceitfulness while they feast with you. They commit adultery with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. They train themselves to be greedy. They are doomed and, and cursed. They have wandered off the right road and followed the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when a do his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are as useless as dried up springs of water or as clouds blown away by the wind, promising much and delivering nothing. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With sinful desire as their bait, they lure back into sin those who have just escaped from such wicked living. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wicked ways of the world by learning about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up with sin and become its slave again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the right way to live than to know it and then reject the holy commandments that were given to them. They make these proverbs come true. A dog returns to its vomit and a washed pig returns to the mud. Psalm 119, starting in verse 113. I hate those who are undecided about you, but my choice is clear. I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. Your hope word is my only source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people, for I intend to obey the commands of my God. Lord, sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me and I will be saved. Then I will meditate on your principles continually. But you have rejected all who stray from your principles. They are only fooling themselves. All the wicked of the earth are the scum you skim off. No wonder I love to obey your decrees. I tremble in fear of you. I fear your judgments. Don't leave me to the mercy of my enemies, for I have done what is just and right. Please guarantee a blessing for me. Don't let those who are arrogant oppress me. My eyes strain to see your deliverance, to see the truth of your promise fulfilled. I am your servant. Deal with me in unfailing love and teach me your principles. Give discernment to me, your servant, and then I will understand your decrees. Lord, it is time for you to act, for these evil people have broken your law. Truly, I love your commandments more than gold, even the finest gold. Truly, each of your commands is right. That is why I hate every false way. Proverbs 28, starting in verse 19. Hard workers have plenty of food. Playing around brings, brings poverty. The trustworthy get a rich reward, but the person who wants to get rich quick will only get into trouble. 
And to end today, going back to Selwyn Hughes, and we've been learning about the, what have we been learning about? The um, sin of self-protection and also why we cling to unforgiveness, which are related. So today, on a related note, why so many slip and fail? Luke 11, 1 through 11, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You will remember I drew your attention to the Christian woman who asked God to deliver her from an unforgiving spirit, yet deep down in her heart, she held on to it because of the way in which it served her unconscious purposes. I want to suggest that you read the next sentence carefully, for in it lies the secret of the failure of many Christians to walk with hinds feet to the high places which God has prepared for them. If you harbor resentment or hatred toward just one individual in the world, by that much you are separated from God himself. By just that much do your rear feet fail to track with your front feet, and in the pursuit of God you are in danger of slipping over the edge to spiritual failure. Let me put it even more clearly. If anyone has sinned against you and you have not forgiven them from the depths of your heart, then the attitude of willingness, unwillingness rather, is a sin against God. Listen to what the Apostle John says about this. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's 1 John 4.20. The very first thing we must do if we are to climb higher with God is to make sure there is no bitterness or resentment lingering in our hearts. If you have not done so before, turn now in thought to all those who have trespassed against you and forgive them fully and completely. I want to add just a little bit of commentary here. We have this is something we've been talking about in our small group. I am blessed to have a small group of very wise women. And uh, one of these older women has been telling us that in the act of forgiveness, which is an act of obedience and not based on our feelings and emotions, that act un unleashes real spiritual power and therefore is something that the enemy does not want us to pursue. And that spiritual power not only breaks the bondage that we are in, but it also supernaturally can release that other person, even if they know nothing about it, to enter into a different place with the Lord. And that's especially as we pray for them. And then we would desire that our hearts would meet with that intention so we can invite the Lord to come and bring healing to those places that have been hurt and damaged because he alone can make that right. And we go to prayer. God, once again, we plead for the insight and courage to see ourselves truly, for we may be cloaking our resentments with garments of piety. We would harbor no dangerous Trojan horses within us. Help us to be free of all resentment. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you find that freedom today in that act of obedience. <laughs> Love you all. Have a great day.